Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast, and this is going to be on the Adrenal Glands 2008. I looked at our vodcast lists, and uh, the last time we did this was about two years ago, and this is a series of talks I gave on our cruise, uh, where we just left Rome, and today's Monday, and I just returned from Rome. So this is hot off the press, given literally 72 hours ago. And what I'm going to do in this case is really give you a very good pragmatic approach to looking at the adrenal glands. We recognize CT as the study of choice. We evaluate the adrenal gland on almost every CT scan for the most part. Uh, MRI, nuclear studies, ultrasound are typically secondary studies. Things that we all know and I'll briefly just touch on, adrenal shapes will vary, adrenal lengths will vary. We look for relative symmetry in the individual limbs in an individual case, but the limb size will vary typically as several millimeters in size. And when you look at thin section CT, anywhere between 0.75 millimeters and 5 millimeters, you do get a very good look at the adrenal gland. And you can see in this patient the difference between the right and left adrenal gland. Often one limb is slightly more prominent than the other. We talk about the medial limbs and lateral limbs. We talk about the visualization of the gland, well seen within the fat in the suprarenal zone. If you take it beyond the axial plane into a coronal volume rendered views, you can see the adrenal gland indeed very nicely in this example and in a simple coronal view. Now, most of the time we look at the adrenals in the axial plane, but particularly with adrenal masses or particularly with larger masses in the region of the adrenal gland, this indeed can be very helpful. In terms of the adrenal gland, as you can see in this arterial phase image, there is typically some enhancement, and one of the issues we're going to speak about in the adrenal gland is the fact that benign lesions like adenomas will enhance, and when we speak about the typical low density of adenomas, it's not uncommon for adenomas to be in the 60 to 80 Hounsfield unit range after you give IV contrast. So adrenal enhancement is something that's not uncommon. In fact, it's very common. In select cases, you'll have hyperenhancement of the adrenal gland, like you see in this case. What you also see in this case is the patient's small bowel and viscous are literally protruding from the abdomen. This was a patient with trauma and this patient is hypotensive. So when you see markedly hypervascular adrenal glands, you better be thinking of shock. You can have a contrast reaction. You can have an ICU patient where the patient, uh, you know, obviously is a respirator, but you see very bright adrenal glands. You better be thinking of shock. Same thing in the patient with trauma. So just a very good example of incredibly bright enhancement. It's one of the findings of shock. You also see very bright pancreatic gland, you also see poor perfusion of the kidneys commonly, but the adrenals in and of itself are a very important sign. And here's a 3D of that patient's injury. Now in terms of the adrenal gland, there's really two main reasons we evaluate it. We evaluate it because we suspect adrenal pathology or the patient's primary process might lead to adrenal pathology. For example, lung cancer, small cell lung cancer, thinking about adrenal meds. Patient may have a hormonal process like cushionoid. Patient's cushionoid, and you're thinking, could this be an adrenal carcinoma? So that specific rule out adrenal mass. Patient's hypertensive, rule out pheochromocytoma. But this number of cases where we look at the adrenal with specific reasons 
uh, is far smaller than the typical reason, which is, hey, almost every chest CT and almost every abdominal CT, we're going to see the adrenal gland. So many of the lesions we pick up are indeed incidental, as you see in this case, small one centimeter adrenal lesions. And the issue is going to be what we do about them. So in this first part of this talk, I'm going to focus on these benign lesions and how we should think about the adrenal gland. Again, in the old days, I remember we would uh, follow adrenal lesions that were detected incidentally at three-month intervals for two years, very much like we did with lung nodules. But it's important to recognize that adrenal lesions, benign lesions, are indeed very common. As I'll show you in a little bit later, up to 9% might be a number you should think about. Now, when you think about that number, we recognize that most of these are benign. Most of these are incidental findings of no clinical significance. And that's very important. So one of the key things is to be aggressive in understanding the adrenal gland, but not aggressive in the need for biopsy or the need for doing multiple studies because these lesions are typically benign and we'll speak about how we can prove that. Now here was a good article that makes the point. They looked at uh, 1,049 consecutive adrenal masses in patients with no malignancy. They did note that uh, adrenal incidentalomas occurred about 5% um, and again that's a, not an unreasonable number. It depends on the age of the population. The older the patients, the more common adenomas. Patients with diabetes or thyroid disease will more commonly have adenomas. And in this article, in 973 patients with a history of an incidental adrenal mass but no history of cancer, no malignant, no malignant lesions were identified, period. Most were adenomas, some were myelolipomas, but nothing was malignant. And we speak about adrenal lesions on non-contrast being under 10 or being of low attenuation. But in this series, even lesions above 10 Hounsfield units were benign when the patient had no malignancy. So they were making the point that if you don't have a known malignancy, uh, perhaps simply just follow these patients. That, in fact, you need imaging. Follow-up imaging to characterize an incidental mass appears to have a limited role. But again, that indeed is a very you know, statistically driven model, indeed, statistically, that's going to be the case. You know, you know, I know when I see an adrenal lesion, it's three centimeters, it's oval, no history of malignancy, no hormonal issues, it's benign. But simply, statistics are not going to work in an individual patient. So if this quote, if an incidental adrenal mass appears benign and the patient has no known malignancy, follow-up imaging appears to have a limited role. Limited maybe, but a definite role. So we'll speak about how we deal with those patients. Now in general, I always like to think about how we should approach the adrenal gland. We could approach it from a cortical versus medullary perspective, looking and figuring out what lesions might be possible. But of course, the one issue is we really don't see the medulla from cortex separate on CT, though we do occasionally recognize medullary lesions because they hang off the bottom of the gland, uh, as in a pheochromocytoma, so that's not that helpful. We will talk about benign versus malignant, and again, benign lesions are the most common. Adenomas lead the list, but we'll speak about some of the others. When we talk about malignancies, metastases are far the most common. Primary adrenal carcinoma or lymphoma, neuroblastoma are all very uncommon lesions, and I have pheo in this list. Pheos are uncommon lesions, but only 10% of pheos, in fact, are ever malignant anyway. We could speak about lesions and thinking about them, unilateral versus bilateral, and indeed that's a good way of thinking of things, 
But if you look at some of them, metastasis, hemorrhage, primary carcinoma, pheo, infection, bleed, they not only make the uh, unilateral list, but they often make the bilateral list. So at times unilateral is helpful, but at times it's not going to be all that specific. We can look at adrenal lesions, and this indeed can be helpful from a functioning and non-functioning perspective. The majority of lesions are indeed non-functioning. Occasionally, some lesions are indeed functioning. We think of Theos, we think of Cushing's, think of Kahn syndrome or primary aldosteronism. But again, this is infrequent, but if you have that history, it's really terrific. So when we think about the adrenal gland, um, you have to go to this type of presentation. History and presentation. Is it an incidental finding or does the patient have a known malignancy? The patient, does the patient have a uh, history of a pheochromocytoma or suspected pheochromocytoma? All of these things are indeed something we will consider and then we'll consider the CT findings from size to unilateral versus bilateral to attenuation and the like. Now let me just first get rid of a few uh, potential pitfalls. One pitfall I've seen at times is when you look at this case, the stomach flops over, uh, you have a prominent fundus or even a diverticulum of the fundus and can simulate an adrenal mass. It typically happens when you have a chest CT and you just get the lowest scans and you see what looks like an adrenal lesion or occasionally an abdominal CT which doesn't cover the whole abdomen. So it's typically a pitfall but something to consider. Another pitfall might be this case, arterial phase imaging, what about that left adrenal mass? You can start thinking about it, but you'll notice the patient has parenchymal liver disease, and guess what happens on venous phase imaging? This lesion enhances, and what you're dealing with is not an adrenal lesion, but a large varix. So again, something uncommon, but potentially a pitfall. What about this case? Well, looks like an adrenal lesion, but if it was, it's low density, rim calcification, it's going to be benign, probably an old hematoma, but actually it's really not the adrenal. The adrenal is next to it, but when you start looking at the sequence of images, what you recognize you're dealing with is a just over one centimeter splenic artery aneurysm. So occasionally splenic artery aneurysms indeed can be confused with adrenal lesions, and that's true in the small lesions which you see in this example, but it's also true in some of the larger lesions. So again, it's not an uncommon or not a common problem, but something that can be causing a pitfall. And here's just a great example of a large partially thrombosed lesion that simulated an adrenal mass. One of the other potential pitfalls is this case, and this looks just like an adrenal mass. It's nearly 11 centimeters, non-contrast, you see it hypervascular. I would read this as a primary adrenal carcinoma. Here I got a great coronal image. It's not kidney and it's not liver. It's definitely in their adrenal space. And this went to surgery and it was a neurogenic tumor, extra adrenal sarcoma. So sometimes there will be pitfalls, but I don't really consider this one a pitfall. The other ones will leave alone lesions. This lesion is coming out. So at times um, you can be fooled. I'll speak a little bit later how at times large liver masses or renal masses can be confused with adrenal lesions. That's something you can avoid typically, but this case, not an issue. So let's go back to the incidentaloma. Let's just talk about it a little bit. There's a great definition, a non-functioning adrenal tumor discovered on an imaging study performed for indications exclusive of adrenal-related conditions. As I mentioned a few moments ago, up to 9% of the population, more common older patients, diabetes, thyroid disease, 
We can recognize most adenomas on CT because they contain fat. Typically, we call an adenoma a lesion under 4 centimeters. When you're using CT criteria, above 4 tends to be problematic. Now, we've known about adenomas you know, for 20 years, or at least have written about them in great detail. The typical issue, of course, is with adenomas, I mentioned before they can enhance, and this article makes the point that a non-contrast CT, we could recognize adenomas based on their density, typically 10 Hounsfield units or less, but it's much more difficult, of course, when you give IV contrast and the lesion enhances. What do you do then? So that brings me to the point of at least to uh, comment on adrenal protocols. If someone asks me to look at the adrenal gland, I always do non-contrast CT first. We distend the stomach, proximal bowel, that's also good for hydration, but there's no pseudolesions then. And then we'll do non-contrast CT through the adrenal gland. When I say through, I really mean through. Make sure you have normal areas above and below the gland. At times, if you don't do that, you could see what looks like a normal adrenal, but you're missing a lesion that's going to hang off an inferior limb. And if we see a lesion, and it's under 10 Hounsfield units, under 4 centimeters, it's an adenoma, the study is over, no problem. If that's not the case, if the lesion measures 30 Hounsfield units, now we have to evaluate further. Is this a lipid-poor adenoma? And we'll speak about that in a moment. When we use IV contrast, typically injecting 3 to 4 cc's for about 100 to 120 cc's. And typically when you're looking at the adrenal in terms of trying to do timing and looking at a washout, which we'll speak about, it's usually a 60 second study. If I'm looking at adrenal mass and I'm thinking about carcinoma and I'm trying to stage, then I'm doing dual phase imaging. As I mentioned, initially for an incidental mass or a lesion that was seen on a study that you need to evaluate further, no contrast is given because then we can often make a specific diagnosis. Uh, Protocol-wise, I like the thinner collimators in case I need to do reconstruction. In terms of measuring density, 3 millimeters works fine, but I'll be able to reconstruct both 3 millimeters and 0.75 and then do reconstructions as I need them. And as commented, under 10 Hounsfield units, some people say under 17, it's benign, no differential diagnosis, nothing else needs to be done. And in fact, this has been shown nicely a number of years ago, even in cancer patients, we are most concerned, uh, non-small cell, 25% of adrenal meds. But you follow this 10 Hounsfield unit rule, you're in good shape. Now what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. You look at this case, incidental adrenal lesion, under 3 centimeters. When you look at that cursor, and I know you can't see very carefully those numbers, it actually measures zero. So it's a benign lesion, it's an adenoma. But here's what's important also. I put a cursor down, but in that cursor, there's a standard deviation of 21 with a minimum of minus 56 and a max of 59. So even though when you summarize all the numbers, it's benign, it's important to recognize that if you did a pixel by pixel count, you're gonna have a lot of really known low numbers, which is fat, great, but also some higher numbers. So that's one issue, and I'm gonna speak about in a moment why that's important. Another issue is, in this case, this is benign. There's nothing else that needs to be done. And this is an important rule, that the non-contrast study trumps everything else. Because if you go to the contrast study, if you looked at this patient at one minute out, the lesion's 64 Hounsfield units. Now, it goes from zero to 64. Okay, at 64, if you'd have only had this contrast study, you would have been concerned, could this be a different type of tumor? Could this be a MET? Now, in this case, you waited around, and 10 minutes later, 
it was 31 Hounsfield units, which means it washed out more than 50%, which means it is indeed benign. Now, that's easy with the cursor, but you know, sometimes, as I showed you, that cursor carries a lot of numbers. And recently, Ho wrote an article that's very important. He made the point, and I'll read it to you. With a non-contrast CT, a threshold of under 10 yielded a sensitivity of 68% with 100% specificity for diagnosing an adenoma. Instead of just using this circle, which again, you can get partial averaging, he looked at a pixel-by-pixel -pixel count within the lesion and found that if he had more than 10% negative pixels, remember I showed you the case that was zero, had some minus 59, well if you have more than 10% negative pixels, then you're able to call it an adenoma, and then your sensitivity increases to 84% with the same specificity. So he calls this CT histogram analysis. We did this many years ago with solitary pulmonary nodules, so, and he concluded that this histogram analysis is superior to mean attenuation for the evaluation of nodules and will increase the number of benign lesions you're calling and so will decrease the need for additional imaging or for biopsy. So that indeed is very important. And this data is a great article and again it's something we all need to do. Lipid reach adenomas, or should I call it lipid rich adenomas, had more than 10% negative pixel values. 51% of lipid poor adenomas had more than 10% of negative pixels and would have been classified as indeterminate on the basis of mean attenuation alone, but now we can call them adenomas. And importantly, the sensitivity doesn't change because no metastasis had uh, more than 10% negative predictal pixels. So again, it's important to recognize that we're not sacrificing sensitivity, we're improving our specificity, and in this article it was very significant. So here's an area we need to be paying attention to and something we probably need to do. Now, in speaking about adenomas, and let me just uh, end uh, with just one comment. Here's a number of years, 1990 low density adenoma, 1995 we're at four slice low density adenoma. No difference. So in many of the concepts, 2007 low density left adrenal lesion adenoma as well. So it's important to recognize that we've done a very good job with adenomas. The key thing, of course, is you know trying to make this in fact improve how we're able to do. Now these are easy non-contrast CT low density adenoma no additional workup but the issue we all recognize is many of our patients get contrast enhanced CTs and you end up with this right adrenal lesion incidental finding. Remember that first article from Sung I showed you? Well they said look this patient has no known malignancy no history of any um, adrenal disease there's no Cushing's no Pheo history this has to be benign, but gosh, when you look at that lesion, are you willing to just blow it off? How do I know the patient doesn't have an occult neoplasm? Are you willing to call this benign? Well, the answer is no, you're not willing to do this. So what needs to be done? Or this case, here's a small lesion left adrenal gland. In your heart, you know this lesion is a benign lesion. It's a little over a centimeter. What do you do with it? Do you need to evaluate further? You need to bring the patient back in a few days. You need to do a biopsy, ultrasound, MR. What is it that you should do? Well, that's the question we're going to pick up in our next talk. See you a bit later. Thanks a lot.